tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after-show entertainment. AfterBuzz TV, the destination for TV superfans. Producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows. Interviewing celebrities and showrunners. And bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! <laughs> hey, AfterBuzz fans! Welcome to another episode of The Voice of... I am your host, Megan Salinas, and tonight we have a very, very special guest with us, voice actress extraordinaire, Elizabeth Maxwell. Yay! Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. For those of you guys watching live, we will be keeping an eye on the live chat on YouTube, as well as the hashtag... The Voice Of on Twitter. So be sure to do that. You guys can tweet at me directly at the Mangwin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. So yeah, let's go ahead and get started. How are you doing tonight? I am so good. <laughs> it feels so good to be back in L.A. That's Except right. for the Santa Ana winds. Those are drying the crap out of me. But um, <laughs> those are just recently started. I walked out this morning and I was like, this is not fair. This is not fair. It was chilly this weekend, but it wasn't terrible. And then all of a sudden the winds just came in this morning. Yeah, I did not dress appropriately. <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's surprisingly chilly, although I don't want to complain too much because we have fans all over the country, and they're probably like, suck it up, California. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> but yeah, you're a Los Angeles native, right? Ish. I'm a California native. That's I lived awesome. in L.A. for five years before I moved to Austin, so ish. So yeah, feels good to be back then. Yes. So for maybe those who haven't heard the story yet... How you said that you have wanted to become an actress ever since you were five, and I wanted to know what specifically made you want to go down that path. Well, if you ask my parents, I came out of the womb, <laughs> and they said, "Oh, she's going into the performing arts." Um, <laughs> so, I mean, honestly, it's been like a driving force in my life for literally as long as I can remember. Uh, and I remember I, I'm naturally blonde, believe it or not. Uh, and, uh, I got, I was forced to get a perm when I was five years old by my mother. <laughs> Thanks, mom. Um, smells terrible. Uh, and my hairdresser told me I looked like a little Marilyn Monroe. And I was like, who's that? And she was like, oh, she's this famous actress. And then I was like, that's what I want to do when I grow up. And it's like ever since then, I've been like the only one of my friends growing up that like knew like what I wanted to be from you know, this tall. <laughs> From this tall. Everybody else, probably, they kind of grew into it at some point. So once you learned that, did you start taking acting classes? Did you just get involved in drama programs at school? Yeah, I came from a pretty small community. We didn't really have theater, like community theater, believe it or not. Uh, randomly, I uh, our, our town did not have community theater, but it had a really amazing ballet company. Really? So I started taking ballet lessons when I was five because it was the only way that I could get up on stage and perform. Um, but I didn't really take any formal training until I got to college for theater or acting. That's fantastic. So, yeah, you, you very, very, you've been in some really great things voice acting-wise, but you do a lot of different types of acting. You do mm -hmm. live action. You've done theater. You've done, um, obviously, voiceover. Do you have a preference for what you like best? Ooh. 
That is a tricky question, Megan. <laughs> um, I I wouldn't say that I have a preference. They're so different, um, and I get really different things out of them. Um, one of the things I love about voice acting is I find it to be much more of a challenge in the sense that with screen acting, you have your face and your body and all of these different tools to use to convey a character or a story, whereas with voice acting, you are limited to one tool. And so you have to manipulate it much more subtly, in my opinion, than when you're doing film and TV acting. So I think it's a unique challenge. (laughs) Well, and speaking of, specifically anime voice acting is much, (laughs) much more technical than a lot of other voice acting for, like, Western animation, unless it's, like, pre-rendered video game stuff. So coming into that, what do you think has been your most challenging role? (sighs) I mean, I I agree with you absolutely. anime, Anime dubbing is far and away the hardest voiceover work I have ever done in my life. It requires you to use both halves of your brain. (laughs) Like, you have to be both creative and super technical at the same time. You're trying to, like, match mouth flaps, match emotion, match uh, timing, and all while the director's like, "Mm, yeah, could you, like, stretch that last half of the sentence out a little bit longer? By, like, half a second. Um, I mean, uh, the hardest one... I mean, I feel like as I'm doing it more, it's all becoming a little easier with practice. Uh, I would say doing the Ghost in the Shell Arise series was particularly challenging. I think not only because it was one of the first animes I dubbed, but also, like, the knowledge of, like, the the weight and the title that I was carrying on my shoulders. There was, like, a lot of... um Knowing the expectations of the fans and knowing, you know, the legend and and the, you know, history of Modico, it was... Yeah, it's no pressure whatsoever, yeah, right? Right, right? No one expects anything when you hear Ghost in the Shell. Right? <laughs> Although, uh, speaking of Ghost in the Shell, I the last time we talked, uh, which was ages and ages ago, but you said that Ghost in the Shell was actually the first anime you ever saw. Mm-hmm. So, kind of coming into that, what was your reaction when you got cast as the lead? I thought it was a joke. I mean, honestly, like, it was one of those, like, like winning the lottery or one of those where you're just like, is this really happening? Like, pinch me moments. Because I got the invitation to audition, and I was just like, oh, <laughs> that's sweet of them. Like, hmm. You're um, being so polite. I know. I was like, oh, I, did, I bet they make all the newbies feel welcome like this. Uh, and, yeah, when I got the news, it was, I mean, it was like, Sheer excitement immediately followed by sheer terror. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it took a couple days to, like, wrap my head around, like, okay, I got some serious business ahead of me. Um, Yeah, Yeah, but obviously you said more and more practice. You're getting more and more into it. So I want to also touch on another really big franchise that we've talked about before, Attack on Titan. Yep. Uh, And (laughs) last time we talked, you hadn't read the manga. Have you read the manga yet? No. No, not yet? I've been uh, I've been alerted to a lot of the plot points in season two by fans, so it's like I kind of know where it's going, but I haven't read the manga yet. No. Okay, bad, so bad we won't talk about that. Don't worry, guys. No spoilers here. You're going to be fine. Um, but what are you most excited about for season two? I am 
I feel like um, Amir's uh, character was fairly one-dimensional in season one. And I'm really, really excited uh, to kind of get at the complexities of, like, her emotions and her brain. Um, because her relationships with other characters in the anime <laughs> are really fascinating to me. And the decisions that she makes based on those relationships, I find, like, very interesting on a human level. So, yeah. I like I like the character arc. And you've said on a personal level that she's very different from your personality. Oh, Is yeah. it difficult to get into character? No, not at all, honestly. Um, am I allowed to cuss? On yeah, this go show? right okay. ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm very used to being cast as a bitch. Um, <laughs> like in film and TV, like that's often like my go-to is I get cast as like the ice queen. Weird. Ruby? <laughs> Winter Shmi? What? Uh, so that's very normal for me. Um, so it for whatever reason, I can tap into dark characters, uh, angry, hurt characters very easily even though, like, my natural personality is pretty, like, upbeat and bubbly. Well, it helps to think about the fact that there's a reason that they act the way they act. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. So I I also wanted to know, because we, and we've heard the story before, but for anybody who maybe hasn't heard the story, when you did, this was actually your first official anime role, if that's Mm -hmm. correct. And um, I heard that you, it was a very funny story when uh, when you were on your way to the audition because you knew nothing about Attack on Titan at the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. I called a friend because, because I literally got, like, the call from Funimation. They were like, hey, and by the way, I live four hours away from Funimation. They called me, like, late morning, and they're like, hey, can you get here by this afternoon for an audition? And I was like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'll drop whatever I'm doing. Um, so I was driving up there and I'm super OCD type A, like I like to research and like have all of my info and, you know, background and whatever, whatever. And so I called one of my friends who uh, I knew was really big into anime and I was like, okay, you got to give me like the Reader's Digest version, what's going on. And they're like, oh my God, you're being for Attack on Titan. You know that's like one of the biggest animes to come to the U.S. in the last decade, right? I was like, thanks. No pressure. No pressure. Again, none whatsoever. And he was like, who are you reading for? And I was like, "Uh, I think they said her name was Mikasa and Annie. And he was like, oh my God, (laughs) don't screw this up. Don't. I was like, ugh. So you're never calling him again when you do an audition. It's probably the best move. But yeah, you read for multiple characters when you went in for your audition. Um, If you if you had to play anybody besides Emir, who who would you want to play? Ooh, oh, that's a good question. I really liked Annie's character as well. I mean, I couldn't do a better job than Lauren Landa. She killed it uh, in that role, but. I do, lo- I do love Annie's character. She's very, very fascinating, and you're absolutely right. She just killed it. It was amazing. So uh, kind of going back to looking towards the future, what, um, and again, having not read the manga, what specifically would you like to see from Amir's character moving forward? Uh, if you have your wish list of anything she could do, what would you like to see? Well, oh, but I'm not allowed to say spoilers, right? Probably best to avoid those, yeah. I guess what I'm looking for is, um, see, what I'm looking forward to is seeing, like, the spectrum of her character, like, both, like, seeing her vulnerability and also seeing her, like, really kick some ass, like, show <laughs> her, like, strength. Uh, yeah. 
Because we don't get a character like that without knowing that she's going to be important later on down the road. Yeah. So well, she I, hasn't died yet. And if you haven't <laughs> died in Attack on Titan yet, you're probably important later on. <laughs> Thumbs up. Um, so speaking of Attack on Titan, oh, there's an upcoming spinoff where it's a little bit more of a parody series. Are you excited to kind of have a little bit lighter material to work with? It has been such a hoot to do Attack on Titan Junior High. We've already started recording for it because um, they're doing the broadcast dub. Um, the first thing I said to the director, Mike McFarland, was, oh my gosh, I finally get to figure out what Amir sounds like when she yells. <laughs> because, you know, with, with Attack on Titan Junior High is obviously over-the-top comedy, and so all of the lines are said like this! <laughs> you know, because it's like Attack on Titan is so intense, but they kind of do a little bit more like this. And and in Attack on Tutan Jai, everybody's just like, Wah! <laughs> and in in the in the real show, Amir never raises her voice. Like she's so deadpan, she's so just like stone cold Steve Austin. <laughs> and in Attack on Titan Junior High, eighty five percent of her lines are screamed. <laughs> so it's like I literally had to figure out like what does this character sound like when she's yelling. Um. And, it, I mean, it's been fun to play, like, like a little bit more of the, like, the stuff that's hinted at in the original anime. It's really fun to, like, just go, like, <laughs> no subtlety whatsoever now. <laughs> to expand on that, I suppose. Yeah. So, um, you mentioned Mac- Mike McFarland, and you, you mentioned last time that we talked that he's just an absolute great director to work with. And you said you've gotten some really good advice, not only from him, but from Liam O'Brien as well. Oh. I want to know, what do you think is the best advice that they've given you moving into this industry? Uh, one thing that really stuck with me uh, is I was told, you only need a few things to be successful in this industry. One, you've got to have talent. Two, you've got to be a hard worker. Three, don't be an asshole. And it sounds like really simple advice, but I'm finding that in the voiceover world, it rings so true. Like, obviously, you've got to have talent, but so much of it is like, you know, putting yourself out there, doing a lot of the legwork. Um, you know, it's like, I don't get a lot of work through my agent. Like, I, I really bring most of it in myself. But also, like, if you're a good person, people respond to that and they want to work with you again and they recommend you to their friends. <laughs> So, um, I mean, like I said, it's, it's simple advice, but it was very helpful. That's good. It's, it, we've heard that a lot that it's, it's just, you know, time and time again, we ask people and they keep saying, just be nice to other people. Just don't be a jerk in this industry because this industry has plenty of jerks. And it's a small world, you know, it's like, it's amazing how, being in it as short a time as I have, like how many other voice actors and directors I've met in that short period of time. And all of them are amazing. Like it is the best community to work in. Like people are so nice and so supportive and just hilarious to hang out with. Yeah. At the end of the day, I hope you guys are having a lot of fun. Otherwise, what's the point, right? Best job ever. (laughs) That's fantastic. So, I've been dying to talk about one show in particular since July when it was initially announced at, 
actually not July, it was August. August. Uh, when it was initially al- announced at RTX that you were going to be playing Winter Shani. It was actually really funny when they made the announcement at the Ruby panel and they were listing off the upcoming cast members, they said Elizabeth Maxwell and I gasped. <laughs> and nobody else around me did and then they started listing off everybody's resume, the new cast members and they said Ghost in the Shell and then everybody gasped and I was like, <laughs> I heard it first. I knew it first guys what the heck so a lot of people were really really excited when you were announced to play winter shinny what initially drew you to joining the ruby cast well to be perfectly honest i had never seen ruby when i was invited to audition for the show um i was introduced to the guys at rooster teeth i took a little tour of the studio we talked about my background and then I received the invitation to audition for Winter, and I was like, okay, well, should probably do a little research, check out the show, see what its, you know, vibe is. So I sat down with one of my best friends, um, and I was like, okay, watch this with me. And we binge-watched, <laughs> like, the entire first season, like, right there. And, I mean, I fell in love, man. Like, the music, I loved the animation, I loved the voice acting, like, it's one thing I've commented on with a lot of people. Like, I kind of love that they don't have a lot of experienced voiced actors on the cast. Like, I feel like it lends this freshness to it and this unexpectedness. Like, they deliver lines in ways where I'm just like, oh, my God, that's very unique and very brilliant. Um, and so then I fell in love with the show. And then I was like, oh, man. <laughs> I keep doing this to myself. Like... Like, I'm like, maybe I shouldn't research shows before I audition them. Because I, like, fall in love with the characters. And then I'm like, if I don't get this, I'm going to be so sad. Um, and I actually, I submitted the audition and I didn't hear anything for a while. And I was like, oh, well, I guess, you know, whatever. And then I got the email and it was just like, I mean, that was, Ghost in the Shell was pretty awesome. Attack on Titan was pretty awesome. But getting that, getting that call was way up there as well. And it's so exciting because it's a character that we heard about in season two, but didn't get to see until this past weekend. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So given that the episode just aired over the weekend, were you excited to watch everybody's reactions? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it's been awesome. I mean, well, okay, so so Kara Everly, who plays... um, Weiss lives in Austin as well, and we recently met each other for the first time (laughs) and totally clicked, like... Like, somebody said one of the reasons why I was strongly considered for Winter is because Kara and I actually have really similar speech patterns. And it's like, we have similar, like, brain patterns (laughs) or something, too. We just really drive. So we got together and watched the premiere of of that season at her house. And um, I just, I mean, Ruby fans are so amazing and passionate and supportive. And feeling that, like, love directed at you is a gift. Like, it's a really awesome feeling. Yeah. And Weiss, Weiss's sister Winter herself, she, like, her character is so interesting because she, from what we've seen, she clearly cares about her little sister, but is also very deliberate and very regimented. And in my opinion, it kind of seems like she's got a little bit of a chip on her shoulder. What, what was your take on her when you initially got the scripts? Um... The way I looked at it and what I talked about with Miles and and Carrie is that I think that 
Both Weiss and Winter share the same ideals. I think that they really do want to help people and make a difference in the world beyond what they feel like working for their father, the Schnee Dust Company, can do. And Winter was drawn to the order and, uh, you know, the the rules of, of the military, whereas Weiss is a little bit more of a, like, you know go at it on her own, you know, I can become a huntress and, you know, do this on my own sort of thing. So I feel like they have very different ways of looking at the world, but, like, deep down inside, like, they kind of come from the same place, if that makes sense. It does. It does, absolutely. And it was, first of all, that fight scene between, and we'll we'll talk about this more when we, when we have the Ruby podcast, but that fight <laughs> scene between Crow and Winter it was just phenomenal. And I want to know, as a fan, what it's like watching a character that you voice do those phenomenal things. It kind of feels like I've always wanted to be a superhero. And it's like, it feels like getting to be a superhero. You're like, that's me. I can't do that, but I'm doing that. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I even, like, I, I took fencing classes when I was younger. So it's like the fact that Winter is a fencer is, like, particularly, like, awesome to me. Um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is really cool. So when developing the voice, did you really kind of count on Miles and Carrie to kind of guide you into what she needed to sound like? Or did they let you kind of play around and just find what felt right? As far as the creation of the voice, they were pretty uh, hands-off on that because I kind of developed the voice and the character for the audition. And then when they cast me, they essentially said, like, that, that was... That was winter. That was exactly winter. And they kind of gave me a lot of backstory and a lot of, like, insight into her character so that when I got the script and interpreted, like, the lines and so forth, I had a little bit more to go on. So they did a lot more of the directing on the acting side, but the voice kind of came in already in place, if that makes sense. No, it does, for sure. And I want to know, what's your take on her character design? Because when her character design was revealed back in August, I think everybody was just blown away at how beautiful it was. I love, I feel like it is the perfect synergy of, like, the structure of the military with the, like, softness of, like, you know, kind of the fluidity of fencing. Like, it's very strong and feminine to me at the same time. And I will cosplay her. I swear, <laughs> at some point, I am going to find a way to cosplay her. I haven't wanted to do that in a long time. And when I saw her character design for the first time, I was like, oh, it's on. <laughs> That's true, because uh, not only as a voice actress do you go to a lot of conventions, but you're also a fan of a lot of things. And um, so I want to know, having going to conventions as a professional now and having tons of fans and having fans send you fan art and having fans like really being able to communicate with you on social media what's been your favorite fan moment either at a convention or online uh, so I'm a big fan of um, writing down goals and I remember um, I was urged at one point by like a mentor coach to write down tangibly what success meant to me and one of the things I wrote down was, I will know I am successful when someone cosplays as a character that I have voiced at a convention. And I remember going to 
my first convention as a guest. Uh, it was Omni Expo in Orlando, Florida, and having the first fan walk up dressed as a mirror, and I was just like, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is such a special moment. I'm kind of getting a little teary-eyed. Success. About it. Sorry. Um, yeah, that was really um, that was really special, and uh, I just have been feeling a lot of gratitude around that. <laughs> well, I guarantee there are going to be tons of winter cosplayers in the future. I'm so excited. Yeah. <laughs> I already saw one. There was a really awesome, uh, I can't remember her handle, but um, fairly soon after winter was announced, before any um, animation of her came out, uh, there was a girl who did a really amazing winter cosplay, um, just based off of the like character sketch. That's that's always the best thing, and I love that they like Rooster Teeth in general. Just designs for Ruby, they design their costumes knowing that people are going to be cosplaying, so they have lots of zippers and pockets and everything. <laughs> that was always something that I I've always really appreciated about their character designs. It was a lot of fun. Do you ever cosplay, Megan? I usually when I dress up, it's for here or. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> my friend and I go to the L.A. Haunted Hayride every year, and um, I always throw on a blue shirt and a brown skirt so that I'm like, I'm Ash Williams at the ha- <laughs> Halloween Haunted Hayride. <laughs> Outside of that, I don't do much cosplaying because I don't have a hand for costume making, I'm afraid. I don't either. I know, it's always other people who have helped me out with the costumes, but... Yeah. The plus side of having really creative friends, though, is that they are really good at costume making. Um, But uh, kind of going back to anime voice acting, uh, a a lot of people kind of who aren't as familiar with the way the business works uh, think that like everybody gets together in a room like you do with Western animation, but it's always solo sessions. It's always one-on-one with you and the director. Do you prefer doing that or do you prefer having a cast to bounce off of like you do with live action work? I mean... I'm not going to lie, it is ideal uh, to do like a roundtable session. Um, It just helps you develop the character and the relationships a little bit more. You kind of get to see where people are coming from and and you pick up on certain uh, chemistries or energies, uh, you know, that come out between the characters. But it's kind of like with anime, I mean, God bless Japan for, for making so much anime. There's so much of it, it would just be kind of infeasible to do that with anime dubbing. Um, I mean, I am kind of finding that getting to know the actual voice actors helps with that a little bit. Um, Because, I mean, you do see parts of them in the characters that they're voicing. Um, But, but yeah, most of the time it's just the solo stuff is is the most efficient. Well... The plus side of the one-on-ones is the intimacy that you get with the director, and you've true. worked with some great directors. Is there anybody you haven't gotten a chance to work with that you would be like, yes, 100%, sign me up? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I'm there's a couple of Funimation directors that, like, I haven't worked with Colleen Clinkenbeard yet, um, and I love her. <laughs> um, I recently got to work with Caitlin Glass on Noragami oh, Arigato. Awesome. And she is amazing. I love her so much. 
Um, and she's the first female uh, director I've worked with in anime. And I mean, there was a I, God. We were recording uh, episode three, and there was a moment where I was like literally in the booth, like in tears, sobbing, and like Caitlin was like in front of the you know, computer screen, like crying. <laughs> and we were just like, Can we just we need to take a minute. <laughs> um, and um, I love Clifford Chapin. Um, we have kind of had a special relationship ever since, like, the Connie Amir, like, <laughs> kind of stuff has been going on. And he's recently started directing at Funimation, and I'm really looking forward to hopefully working with him soon as well. Oh, that'd be great. He's yeah. A, he seems like a really great guy. He is so funny, and he's also just, like, the nicest, kindest person. He's a really good guy. I was bummed. Uh, the the day he called in for the Attack on Titan panel, I I was out. I had to be at a red carpet. I was so bummed. I was like, "Have fun, guys." I was bummed. Somebody's <laughs> making popcorn in the building. Oh yeah, we've got a little popcorn <laughs> machine in the corner. It smells amazing. We'll grab some popcorn before you go. <laughs> so, um, kind of going back to um, to that and to going back to some of the. Of stuff that you would like to do. Do you have a dream project? You could do anything. Writing, directing, more more voiceover, more live action. What would you like to do? Well, I can say as an artist, I love anime dubbing. And I feel like I've already gotten to do some of my dream roles. I mean, Ghost in the Shell. Um, but there's something about creating a character from scratch yourself um, that is a little different and unique of an experience and honestly a little more fulfilling in certain ways because it's all coming from you um, and you don't have any limitations on your performance. So I'm actually really excited. I can't remember if I told you about Cannon Busters. I don't think I've heard about it, no. So um, LaShawn Thomas, who worked on uh, Legend of Korra, is uh, creating an American anime based on a... Uh, a graphic novel series that he wrote. Ooh. And, um, God, there's some amazing people involved in it, like Thomas Romain and Joe Mad, And uh, I am getting to voice one. There's, like, three main characters. I'm getting to voice one of them, Casey Turnbuckle. And it's going to be my first time, like, originating an animated character. And I'm so excited for that. Um, and I would also hope to do that, like, I mean, getting to play, like, a superhero in, like, live action <laughs> is probably the only thing I can think of that would top that. Like, getting to do a Buffy or a Black Widow or something oh, like that. Oh, that would be so I cool. Mean, I mean, I've actually, hate directors out there, I've been taking the, you know, fight choreography lessons. And, and she can Kickboxing fence. and fencing, so I'm getting ready for it. <laughs> I'm prepping, but yeah. And having done so much of the legwork, you said you didn't, you don't get a whole lot of stuff through your agent. And when you booked a lot of the other things, I don't believe you actually had an agent when you booked mm -hmm. like Attack on Titan, everything like that. What is it about, like, what can people who want to get into this industry, what can they do to kind of do what you do to be as successful as you've been? Um, I mean, one thing I can say is like, not taking no for an answer. It's so easy to get discouraged and be polite. I mean, you know, <laughs> don't be like rude and pushy, but it's so easy to get discouraged in this business and you just kind of have to like, I mean, first of all, you got to have a demo reel because, um, you know, it's kind of like your calling card. But, um, you know, you're going to get told no a lot of times most likely before you're going to get told yes. So you just have to take those 
two dozen no's and keep going. Um, and, and a lot of what I did, you have to kind of be aware of like the companies where you live that would use voice actors and like specifically target them. Like, I think I emailed Funimation for like eight months before they finally like, <laughs> like, we're like, okay, come in for an audition. <laughs> I mean, I was polite, but you know, it's like every other month it was like, hey, just following up. Yeah. Just following up. Here's my demo reel. These are my qualifications. Would love to work with you. So be persistent but polite. Yes. The two P's. PP. PP, Megan. PP advice. Yes. <laughs> so um, I, you've also done a lot of video game voice acting work. And I always like getting to ask voice actors who traditionally are sitting in a booth what they feel when they get to do motion capture work. Oh, motion capture is really fun. Um, it's, I mean, I've only done motion capture on Star Citizen, and um, that was a very interesting experience because I was doing a lot of the, like, general motion capture. So it's like, if you play a female character in Star Citizen, like, it's quite likely that that's going to be me moving around. Um, so there was a lot of tedium involved in it, but there was a lot of, like room for for humor and like adding in your own little special touches and you get to kind of it depends on on which game you're working on but sometimes you get to be more exaggerated uh than others and it was kind of like combining theater with video games it's a really unique <laughs> and fun experience it always looks really fun I'll, although I don't know if I could do it with a straight face, so that you don't have you don't have to worry about that. That's They're true. All capturing your body. <laughs> That's good. Then That's good for everybody who wants to do that in the future. So, because this industry, there's been so many changes technologically. You can record in one place and send it to somewhere else. Uh, it's just moved so quickly. But there's also a lot more competition than mm -hmm. there used to be. And so, in order to do that, you've had extensive training. But in order to stand out, what do you actively do to keep adding tools to your wheelhouse? Um, I mean, watching stuff in the genre or industry that you want to go into is pretty key. Um, I mean, I had somebody ask me recently, like, how do you do, um, efforts? You know, like, how, how do you do those? And I'm like, man, I've been watching anime and playing video games since I was, 11 years old you know it's like it's something that you kind of like learn the vocabulary and the sounds of the industry that you're going into and that really helps um I also I mean I train constantly I take I take vocal workshops um I take marketing workshops uh, you know all that stuff it's kind of like somebody told me like a pro athlete never stops training like as an artist we really shouldn't stop training either um you know it's like a tool an instrument that you have to keep in shape just like your body yeah you have to tune it every now and then yeah exactly that makes sense yeah so in or uh, are there any other artistic outlets that you like to try that maybe people don't know about hmm. i'm trying to think you mentioned ballet you oh, mentioned yeah. fencing yeah i mean i've been dancing since i was old enough to walk um, I did ballet for 18 years and I love like swing dancing and salsa dancing and um, I, I don't get to do it as much as I would like. 
but I can get down and boogie. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think if there are any other. I'm terrible at like painting and drawing. I have no uh-huh. talent for like <laughs> those those arts. I remember when I was in high school and we had to do art projects, I would do, like, the thing where you, like, snip things out of magazines and, like, paste them into a collage. <laughs> like, that was my art. It's like, I can't draw. Here you go. <laughs> but I arranged the hell out of these. It's yeah. great. <laughs> so, um, oh, I lost it for a moment. But um, I do want to know in terms of, I'm sorry, I totally lost it. Brain fart. <laughs> Brain fart, 100%. <laughs> I did. Um. So in addition to that, sorry, I'm going to need a minute to look at my notes. I feel terrible. I got it. I know what it was. I know it's like picking children. We hear it all the time from voice actors, but do you have a favorite role? I know. I'm sorry. That's why I think I banished it from my mind. I was like, don't even ask. Well, I will say I've heard from parents that it's not true that they don't have favorite children, by the way. It's just that the favorite child changes. Oh. (laughs) So it'll be one child one week and another child the next week. So with that in mind, I will say, can I say two? Yeah, absolutely. So I am having an amazing time voicing Bishamon and Noragami Aragato right now. I mean, her, I, I, first of all, I'm a huge, I love, like, Shakespearean level drama, like, the tragedy of the, like, betrayed and misunderstood. I mean, like, the animes, like, I grew up on loving were, like, Escaflone, where it's, like, epic fantasy. And her emotional arc in that season is mind-blowing for me. And, I mean, I, it sounds like, like terrible but it's like I love like being in the booth and just like tears streaming down my face (laughs) as I'm like screaming and um and it's been challenging as well I've never played a character that's had that much going on emotionally yet um so I'm really enjoying that and then I also got a chance to do my first kind of comedic character recently um I am in Gearbox's new game Battleborn I play Phoebe the Mageblade, and I don't know if she was originally written as being funny or if Aaron Lind and I, the, the writer, if we just slowly, like, <laughs> caused the character to become comedic, but um, it's the first time I've really been allowed to do comedy, and it's really freeing and fun. Like, I get paid to burp, like, into <laughs> a microphone. It's been awesome. Um so that's kind of like opened my eyes and expanded my horizons as well. So those will be my two I'll pick right now. Would you want to do more comedic roles in the future? Oh yeah, I hope so. Um, I did. Uh, I did the um, Zoe the Apprentice on Orcs Must Die Unchained, and she's pretty funny. Um, she's like a super precocious teenager, and um, excuse me. <laughs> and uh, Casey Turnbuckle on Cannon Busters. She's she's got some. She's kind of like the comedic relief of the trio of main characters so I mean I love the drama but it's nice to mix it up with some comedy as well yeah. otherwise you just want to like <laughs> when you get home <laughs> you're just like I'm just going to clean all the mascara off my face and all that other stuff dude I mean it's like sometimes after doing like a, a noragami session like I have to drive the four hours back to Austin and sometimes oh. I'll have to like just pull over and be like okay 
get a hold of yourself. Like, it's over. <laughs> it's not real. It's not real. It's okay. <laughs> so would you say Noragami is the series that you have the biggest emotional connection to, at least in terms of your character? I think so. Somebody asked me that once, like, which character I mesh with most on a personal level, and I think it is Bishamon, because she's... I'm a very idealistic person. I'm really kind of strong type A person and I but I'm very idealistic and she is too and it's like she's kind of one of those like she's going to do what she thinks is right no matter the cost to herself and she's so selfless and I, I guess yeah I just kind of I identify with that a lot I feel like we would be really good buds <laughs> or I would be her in real life I don't know <laughs> I feel like I played the goddess of war a couple times at this point. <laughs> <laughs> that works. So do you have a preference anime over video games or video games over anime? Hmm. I don't think I could say that I have a preference because I love the freedom in doing voiceover for video game because you don't have to match mouth flaps. So a lot of times there is more room for spontaneity and improv and humor. But the story aspect of anime always pulls me back in. Like, I'm just a sucker for a good story. Um, so, yeah, I don't think I could choose. There's always something really compelling when it comes to a lot of different anime series. Mm -hmm. There's always something that brings you back. Yeah. So, as a fan, what would you, like, if you could be a part of any anime franchise besides... You've gotten you've gotten to check off some really big ones. Are there any other anime franchises that you would like to be a part of? Ooh. Like past or current? A lot of the past ones are getting rebooted. Well, that's actually a good good point. Like um, there's Sailor Moon, Dragon Ball Z has a new series. Time is cyclical. Oh man, this is a hard question. <laughs> Escaflone was so big for me growing up. I feel like it would be a pretty, it would be a hoot, like if they ever <laughs> redid that to be in that one. That would um, be a good one. Mm, what else? I don't know. I don't know if I can. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm having. I don't. I don't know if I have another answer. That's okay. Escaflone is a good answer. You can oh, stop at Escaflone. It's fantastic. <laughs> so. Talking about looking towards the future in terms of what you actually have coming down the pipeline, is there anything you can talk about that you would like fans to know about? Because we know it's really tough with voice actors because of NDAs. But if there's anything you can talk about, we'd love to hear about it. I think I already spilled the beans on the only one I can talk about, which is Can Investors. Um, and I told you I'm going to be doing uh, uh, an MMO called Skyforge. I play the goddess of war in that as well, <laughs> strangely enough. Uh, what does that say about my archetype? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, I've got other stuff in the pipeline, but I don't think I can talk about any of it. Uh, I'm trying to think if there are any animes that are going to drop soon. Well, I'm really yeah. excited for Attack on Titan. Me too. I feel like I've been waiting forever. <laughs> Attack on Titan and even the spinoff series. I, I'm just really, really excited. It's fun. <laughs> it's fun. I feel like it's kind of a release. Like, yeah. After like the incredible seriousness of Attack on Titan, it's just like a ridiculously funny release. 
Yeah, I feel like actually after season two comes out that it's actually probably a really good in-between kind of a palate cleanser. Because you get through <laughs> season one, you're emotionally devastated, watch some comedy, and then move on to season two. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that'll be exciting. So um, we touched on it a little bit earlier, but do you have any other advice for aspiring artists out there? Hmm. Um, I would say... Definitely get some training. It's kind of, um, I mean, it's really kind of necessary uh, to a certain extent. Um, Some people are just ridiculously naturally gifted, but I feel like everybody can benefit from a little bit of training. Uh, Find out what kind of training is in your area. There's a really cool uh, place called Edge Studio. It's based out of New York, but they have a really great web presence, and they teach amazing online workshops and they even have one called so you want to be a voice actor (laughs) and they'll literally sit down and kind of evaluate you and tell you these are your strengths these are your weaknesses this is what we recommend you work on these are the genres we think that you would like fit into uh most easily um and then you have you have to get a demo reel Uh, it's kind of like your calling card and um i would say don't if you want to go into character-based voiceover like anime video games having an agent is not a prerequisite like get out there and do the legwork and the research on your own and get out and meet people you know market yourself to companies that in your area that could potentially use voice actors um and always be polite while doing it (laughs) don't be pushy um, PP no P. I like that. I think that's a really good bit of advice. Well, thank you so 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 much, Elizabeth, for taking the time to hang out and chat with us and just talk about all the things that we're really excited to see you in. Dude, it is such a pleasure to talk about this stuff and to finally meet you. <laughs> I know it's so nice to see you face to face in person. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Anytime. And anytime you're in the Los Angeles area, feel free to come on down. You're always welcome. Thank you. Well, where can people go if they want to keep up with you and all the projects that you're working on? I am most active on Twitter with my voiceover stuff. And my handle is um, at about Elizabeth M. Thank you so, so much again for coming in. Absolutely. And thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you to everybody on the hashtag and the live chat. Uh, I apologize. My eyes need some work, so maybe (laughs) next time. But thank you guys so, so much. I'm your host, Megan. You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at TheManguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. I am also on a bunch of shows here at AfterBuzz, and I write articles for The Movie Chick. Be sure to check those out. If you haven't already done so, as another reminder, please subscribe to AfterBuzz on YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud, all that fun stuff right leave a comment we want to hear from you guys so thank you again elizabeth for joining us thank you everybody tuning in we will see you all next time from executive producers maria menounos kevin undergaro phil svitek and the entire AfterBuzz tv staff we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz tv network to watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, see you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 